Well, let's see, what are we going to talk about today? What do I always talk about, by the way? <laughs> Jesus, salvation, and eternity. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. What's the center of your life? Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you as we come together to glorify your name, to find out, Lord Jesus, what is the center of my life? Because it has dire consequences, has eternal consequences. So I thank you and praise you, Lord Jesus, that uh, you placed this message on my heart, first of all for me, so I can recognize my condition, and then I can pronounce it to the congregation to see where they stand. We all have to take an accounting, Lord Jesus. It says even when we have communion, to examine ourselves. So we're fully aware, Lord Jesus, how fallible we can be when we don't have you. How easy it is to fall, how easy it is to fail. So we thank you and praise you as we come about your business this morning to give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I have to tell you that First of all, everything that's in the Bible uh, has a story God has set aside for us. Uh, Way back in ancient times, some of the stuff was for the Israelites, some were individual, and some was for everyone at all times. And I can go right back to uh, Abraham, when Abraham had to make a decision. What was the center of his life? Well, God knew what the center was, but Abraham didn't. And he told Abraham to take his son, his only son. Uh, Actually, he had two sons, but he meant the only son for eternity. That's set aside that all salvation will come through. Your only son, and take him up to sacrifice him. To Abraham, that was not a strange request, by the way. He came out of the uh, county, uh, the country of Ur. And that was human sacrifice, child sacrifice was not uncommon. He just didn't understand it in relationship to God, but nevertheless, he was obedient. Well, you know the long and short of the story. He found out exactly who he was when he decided that when God says to do something, no matter what the condition is, he would do it. And he was prepared to do that, sacrificing his son until an angel stopped him in his tracks. Well, same thing we come out and find out in Joshua chapter 24, when Joshua, in a church like this probably, I don't know what the setting was, I only have to figure he had a big crowd, and he got ticked off. He says, listen, guys, I I don't know who you're going to worship. I don't know what the center of your heart is. He says, but, he says, if it's Baal, if it's idols, worship that. Let's not pretend. Let's not fool around any longer. Go ahead and worship that. But as far as me and my house, we worship the Lord. Joshua knew what the center of his life was and where the center was. So as a result of that, today I want to bring some scriptures to your heart to see what is the center of your heart and my heart today and how we can keep it there. So Tim, if you put up the first scripture, and this is out of Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Well, what is a wellspring to begin with? If you don't understand that, you don't have the idea of what he's talking about. A wellspring is a continuous supply. No end to the supply it can bring up. 
And it says, if you guard your heart, for it's a wellspring of life, well, the bottom line of it is, how do we guard our heart? I mean, we're talking about not the one that's going pump, 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 pump. This is what everything you are, everything you think, and everything you'll ever be is inside of you, and how that comes out is what the wellspring is all about. Is God going to pour good things in there, or have you displaced it with the worldly things? And that is, in essence, what we're going to be talking about, the center of your heart. What is the center of your heart? I know, guys, the center of their heart is the New York Yankees, quite honestly. If the Yankees do well, they're doing well. If they don't, (laughs) then others, it's the business. Others, it's family. Others, it's possessions. And it can go on and on and on. And all of these things, we have to live in there. But they're never supposed to possess us. That's what God had to find out. So Abraham could know full well exactly who he would serve without any qualifications, without anything that would cloud his mind, he found out when he was willing to sacrifice his son, the center of his life was God. We have to understand this. There are so many distractions out there and so many things that we call the center, like being born again. Well, now I heard there's a born-again trumpet player because he didn't play well for a while. Now he's back playing well. And now they use the term, see, Satan has a way of taking godly things and demeaning them to a point that they don't have value. And he tries to get that into our psyche where another born-again message, oh, yeah, well. But the whole idea of the center of your heart has eternal consequences. If the right center isn't there, everything falls apart. So as a result of that, we look here... Proverbs 4.23 Above all else, guard your heart for it is a wellspring of life. The abundance of what God can put in there can only be put in there if you guard your heart. An unguarded heart I like to use this analogy all the time. In the winter snow's blowing all over the place the wind's 30 miles an hour and you got a window open. You're not guarding your house. Well, God is saying the same thing about your heart. Don't leave a window open in your heart. Don't allow the world with all of its attractions to finally blow this stuff into your heart that you're not really sure of who you are and who you stand for. Quickly, the day is coming when we're going to have to draw the line in the sand and say, no matter what, I'm on this side. Now, we all think we can do that. But if you haven't got a guarded heart, I'm going to tell you right now, you won't. The conditions of accepting Jesus in a light of persecution can be vast. And unless you have the wellspring of God pouring blessings into your heart, you'll not be able to stand. So what is the center of your heart? Well, you find out right in the beginning. The wellspring, the wellspring of your heart, where God can pour Time after time, his good words into your heart. And where do you find these good words, by the way? In the manual. You need to have the manual all the time, right? It's the Bible. This is how we find out everything. 
There isn't anything in here that you don't need to know. There isn't anything in here, quite honestly, that if you don't know, you're in danger. So it's important you get into the instruction manual. That's all it is, is an instruction manual. That's why that story of Abraham was there. He wanted to show us, God wanted to show us, that even with Abraham, the one that we are all connected to, that even him had to find out what the center of his heart was. So in the next scripture, if you put it up there, Tim, Matthew 15, 18. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. I'll stop there for a minute. Probably none of you have ever experienced any of these. But I have to raise my hand. I have. These are what makes a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. Now, he's not talking about he can go around like a filthy slob. That's not acceptable. That's not even socially acceptable. But what he's talking about is the surface. And who had the surface in those days of Jesus? The Pharisees, exactly the truth. Whitewashed sepulchers. They looked so good on the outside, but they were rotten on the inside. In fact, they were supposed to be the protector of the people. Uh, originally, 400 years before that, the Pharisees, although they weren't actually called that at the time, but they got that name later on, were the guardians of the word. Everything was falling apart. There hadn't been a prophet in 450 years after Malachi, and everything was falling apart. So these men got together and said, we've got to keep God's word holy. But they didn't guard their hearts. 400 years later, Look at the Pharisees now at the time of Jesus. What happens to an unguarded heart? All kinds of things get in there. And all of a sudden, what they were supposed to be doing, these Pharisees who are the protector of God's word and the protector of the people, they loathed the people. They thought they were nothing but trash. Couldn't stand them. So you can see what happens to an unguarded heart. So continuing on, it says... These are what makes a man unclean, but eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. So we find out everything is what's about eternally. What is the center of my heart? You can't see the center of my heart. You don't know what goes in my heart. You don't know what goes in one ear and out the other all day long with me. But I do. And sometimes, quite honestly, could I possibly have thought that? Could that thought come into my mind? But they do. And what do you do with it? You take authority over it and get rid of it. You cleanse house right then and there. You don't allow it to stay there. You don't allow it to corrupt the heart. You don't allow it to get a hold of it and make the heart rotten like it's talking about here. That's why God has got those in there. For out of the heart comes all kinds of unclean thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, false testimony, slander, and so on, and then probably a lot more, but he's just making kind of a, a brief list of what comes out of our heart. What comes out of your heart? Can you relate to any of this here? I don't know that. 
I only see the people I see from the outside. See, I know you from the outside. God knows you from the inside. He knows exactly what you're thinking at any given time. He knows exactly when you have abandoned him. He's not up there. I used to think of that years ago before I was born again. God was up there. And I was down here. And any time I wanted to do what I wanted, I just held him at bay. Now I can't do that. See, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Inside of me dwells the Holy Spirit. No longer do they take the tabernacle with the four priests with the sticks carrying the tabernacle around. God has made his tabernacle in our heart. So we've got in our heart all of the ability, all the knowledge, and all the wherewithal to keep a clean heart. And you may ask, well, why don't I? Well, you do have a contentious spirit. Your spirit is the flesh. That's why you think of yourself, and I think of myself as a sinner, and why do you think God calls us a saint? He sees this body being separated and what we really want. What do you really want? Do you want what Abraham had? God, everything, and nothing. Everything but God and nothing else. That's what Abraham wanted. Tim, can you put up the next scripture? Luke 6.45. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. See, it's always the inner person, the center, always about that. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. I've told you this story probably many times, and it was about a, a lieutenant governor down in some state during the civil rights movement, and he was speaking before the NAACP, a big congregation. And his whole idea was to gain political leverage with the black people and the NAACP. Well, what do you think came out of his mouth? Unexpectedly, he made a comment, and the big N word came out of his mouth. What do you think was in his heart to begin with? How do you think it got there? That's a dangerous thing. And, of course, he was relieved from his position that very day. But it was more probably for political reasons than anything else. But the whole idea is what he did. And do you think he wanted to do that? Do you think he was prepared to do that? No, but why did he do it? It was just laying on a layer of the heart. And all it needed was something to trigger it, and out of his mouth it leapt. And you can't get the toothpaste back into the tube. And there he was. And, of course, I don't, I don't know what happened at that meeting at that time. All I know is he was, he was fired from his position. So we go back to here. <clears throat> the good man brings good things out of a good stored up in his heart. Now, what is the good things that are stored up in your heart? Obviously, God's Word. Not rocket science. God's Word is what we need stored up in our heart. We need to defend against every evil that can come against us. And I don't know about you, but this is one terrible world we live in right now. Evil prevails. It says so in Romans chapter 1. It says, the day's going to come when good will be evil and evil will be good. And have we not reached that 
but we've reached it in an abundance. Now the line is drawn in the sand, and we stand on the other side, uh, pretty much being despised because we're intolerant. We're uh, against the public opinion. We're trying to stop the good works that they think they're doing of dragging everyone to hell is what they're doing. So what do you do with people like us? Well, you got to get rid of them. you got to uh, make them look like they're evil. Someone had a, I can't believe this. I saw it on the Internet. Uh, some actor, I don't even know, I don't know the new people. That's a, but he said something about Jesus, a positive thing about Jesus. He got so laid upon, I can't believe he did this. He apologized for what he said. Apologize for speaking for Jesus. That's the kind of world we live in. And if you don't guard your heart, how easy it is for that to get in there and corrupt. It doesn't take much. It just takes a little bit. See, a little bit turns into a little bit to a little bit. It's incremental. Uh, nothing ever happens overnight like this. It's like, well, I'm on a plane. I'm, I'm on a pretty good plane right now, uh, me and Jesus. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're on a plane, you're sliding backwards. There is no in-between. There is no void. It's either Christ or hell. Simple. You may think that, but it's simple. There's no in-between. There's no three sides to the story. The two sides is Jesus Christ, who, if you call upon to be your Savior, he is your Savior. Or if you let that go, and you feel, well, I, I do love Jesus, but I certainly love this or that and the other thing. And Joshua said it. He says, listen, guys, you know what? I see what you're doing. And I know you've been worshiping this one and that one and the whole thing. He says, if you're going to do that, why don't you stick to your guns and say it out loud instead of making believe you're coming to this meeting with me and saying, oh, yeah, we love Jesus. We're right on board with Jesus. He says, I know you're not. I hate to say this, but some of you out here right today are like that. Some. I don't know who you are, but God does. You think you've got some religion. You think you've got enough Jesus that will carry you through. But see, there's never enough Jesus. It'll never carry you through. It's all or nothing. Do you love the Lord? Is he the center of your life? Is he what you count upon? Soda survey, simple question. How do you get to heaven? Bottom line? What's the bottom line? Jesus. Jesus. See, again, it's not mind-boggling. It's a simple story. But see, there's an interference here, and it's called me. I want to do what I want to do. And I have a son that told me the exact same thing. I hope he's changed his mind since then. And I think I might have told you the story of writing him a letter and saying, here are ten things that Jonah did, and you line up with every one of them, one after the other. I forget whether he wrote me back or called me back, but at any rate, he responded to the letter. And you know what he says? I know that, Dad. I'm aware of that. The problem of it is that Jesus never asked me what I wanted to do. 
shoot me in the head. I couldn't believe he came with this kind of an answer. But he believed. He wanted to see. He wants to do what he wanted to do. And as a result of that, he'll find out. It's a sad, sad testimony. Uh, Tim, can you put up the next scripture? <clears throat> and this is in Romans 10, 10. For it is with your heart that you believe you are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So we find out there are things here that God has placed in our well-being to keep us safe. The heart has to be safe, has to be guarded. If you, if you want a good example of that, you can look in Philippians chapter 4, verses 5 through 9. In all things through prayer, don't be anxious, but in all things through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And then the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, I'll place a sentry sentry over your heart. I personally will guard your heart if you're willing to allow me to do this. So we're at a stage right now. Are we willing to let God be the overseer, the captain of our heart? See, the center of the heart, again, has eternal consequences. If you're not, can you imagine what's going to happen if you went to see Jesus and told him about all the good works you did and all the times you were in church and all the money you gave and all the people you talked about? You might have even had a message that got someone saved. See, Jim Baker was like that. Remember the name Jim Baker? Tammy Baker? And another man, one of the great preachers of the day, fell. But nevertheless, they did great works. But they had to come, and the day will come, and they'll face Jesus. And what do you think the answer will be? I never knew you. Can you imagine hearing that? This will be the last thing you'll ever hear on your descent into hell. I never knew you. Got to know where the center of our heart is. We have to protect it. God has given us all that we ever need to be able to protect it with his word. But sometimes we just kind of got lazy in that. Uh, I'll close down with the conclusion of all of this. What is the center of my heart? What is the center of your life, your heart? What is the center? It's time to take stock. It's time to look inside and say, what do, what do I really love? Is it Jesus? Is it my life? Is it the things I've acquired, accumulated? Is that old story, that sticker? Uh, the one who dies with the most toys wins? What a loser. What an outright loser. But that's what the world wants you to think. So where is your heart today? What's the center of your life? Jesus is asking. He told me to ask you that. Because first of all, I had to ask me that. What's the center of my life? I had to find that out the hard way. Maybe you do too. But if you're equipped with God's word, you'll have the right path to find out. And when you find out, 
See, it's a matter of not finding out. It's a matter of searching for it. Anyone that searches for it is hungry for the answer. Anyone that doesn't search for it is content with the way they are, like my son. I'm perfectly content. I said that to my sister before I was saved. Perfectly content with the way I am. Going along life. Best thing since sliced bread. Can't get any better than me. What an embarrassment. What egotistical embarrassment. But nevertheless, I thought that. You may not think in such drastic terms. But what is the center of your life? Take stock of that as we close today. Father in heaven, could I have the music ministry back up here? Father in heaven, I thank you and ask your blessing on all that are gathered together in your name. Talking about the center of life, the center of the heart. There's only one center, Lord, and that has to be you. And from that comes the wellspring of all good things. All blessings that come. All things, Lord Jesus, that speak of you. And not only that, it gives us the ability to look like you, act like you, and to serve like you. When we look into the mirror, we want to see Jesus, not me. I don't want to see Tom anymore. I saw enough of him. I want to see Jesus. But he gives us the opportunity to see exactly that. Let your blessings go forth. Watch over your people. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, I'm Jeff Eckstein one of the pastors here at Bethlehem Community Church. Welcome to our Sunday podcast, coming to you from the town of Bethlehem in upstate New York in the USA. Bethlehem Community Church is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-based evangelical church that includes people with backgrounds from many denominations. We believe that it is only through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can come into a personal relationship with God, We are people truly seeking a deeper intimacy with God and with one another. If you'd like to know more about our church, please visit our website at www.bccdelmar.org. There you'll be able to find our statement of faith, as well as more about the ministry of Bethlehem Community Church. You'll also be able to submit prayer requests as we are called to pray with and for you. We also would love to hear your story and how you found our podcast and where you're listening from. So please visit our website and send us an email. Again, it's bccdelmar.org. That's bccdelmar.org. Thank you for joining us as we continue our pursuit of knowing God and making Him known.